the days are going to grow darker. We know that. But I don't want you to minimize it. You've got to literally think about the, the occult, you know, necromancy, uh, witchcraft, Kabbalah. The dark, godless world and their perversity is getting more intense. And the largest cultural movements, the largest breakthroughs in technology, rooted in the occult, the entire layout and architecture of our nation's capital is going to be a two-parter, okay? So we're going to come back next week, probably do a quick recap of what we've talked about, and then we're gonna go right into Washington, D.C., Hitler and the throne of Satan, Black Lives Matter, Satanists thanking progressive Christianity for their work they're doing, and much, much more. back to part two of this uh, wild discussion. Yeah. Let's go ahead and continue. Let, is, let us now talk about the very architecture, the very layout of the most powerful country's capital in all of the world. If this world is Satan's, if he is the prince uh, of this world, uh, of uh, he's the he's the prince of the the airwaves. He is, you know, for him to offer Jesus, the kingdoms of the world. You cannot offer something that is not yours. That's right. Okay, and so I am not an all millennialist. I do not believe that Jesus is ruling and reigning physically on the earth right now. Right. Right. I believe that that day is to come and the days are going to get progressively worse. That is my theology, uh, my rather my eschatology. Mm -hmm. It's going to get worse. There is going to be a tribulation time. God is going to come, and He is going to set up His throne and physically rule and reign for a thousand years. And that is, as some people have called it, the front doorstep of eternity, the porch, right? So if this is all, if this is Satan's world, wouldn't you think that the most powerful country's capital in the world that uh, uh, that, uh, that has ruled man, that being America, and I'm a, I'm a patriot, I love America, I love the Constitution, but there there is it's a simultaneous type of thing with America, mm -hmm. that that are it's like our Judeo-Christian background is 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 in a constant fight and conflict from the very founding of America with the occult. Yeah. The, D, the layout of Washington, D.C. was modeled after ancient Egyptian religion. Did you know that? I'm going to be repeating a couple of different things um, because I want it, really want it to instill it so that you understand it. And, and if you don't get it, please watch this section again. It's very important. You see, the Capitol building with its massive dome. Domes were always a symbolic thing of, of, of wombs. Domes represented wombs. You need to understand that. 
So the capital is a massive dome. It's a, it's a structural representation of the womb of ISIS. Now, don't think of Middle Eastern terrorist group. I'm talking about the Egyptian god. It's a representation of the womb of ISIS. And the obelisk, which is the Washington Monument, is a representation of the erect male phallus of Osiris. And I'm saying that as politely as I can. Now, what in the world? What the heck are you talking about, Zach? Listen, this is literally public knowledge. Okay, the, 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 the Freemasons openly admit it's not, they don't, it's not a, it's not a scandal that people found out, you know, it's not a, it's like, it's not something that the Freemason Twitter page, you know, found out that they tweeted something four years ago and now it's found out and they're trying to delete it. No, it's just, it's open knowledge. They admit the obelisk and the dome, the Washington Monument and the Capitol building were designed and dedicated to ancient pagan gods. It's even documented in the Library of Congress, okay? So for those of you that are like, man, this is, no, it's, they admit it. It's documented in the Library of Congress. You can look it up on their official website. This is not a secret, people. People are just ignorant to the world that we live in. They just don't care. If someone, if literally someone said something to you, if it came from the horse's mouth, People are still like, well, that's too crazy. I can't believe it. Even if it came from the horse's mouth, it is a fact, it is, it is established, it is recorded because of their normalcy bias. Look up that word. Normalcy bias basically means that because it's never happened in their mind that there's a structure, there's a box of how this world operates and how it, how it goes forward and the things that can happen and, and can't happen, even to the level of the, 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 to the degree of bad things happening to the level of degree of good things happening. It has to fit within their box. And if something is taking place in the, in, in, in the world that is outside of what they've always done and have accepted to be the world around them, they literally just deny it outright because of normalcy bias. They cannot accept the truth because their brains can't handle. It's like that movie, you want the truth? You want the truth? You can't handle our truth, right? I mean, like, that's, I mean, that's kind of what it is. It's like they can't handle it. So they, they, they create these barriers in their mind and this normalcy bias, right? So it's well documented and everything. Capital Dome, so, Repeat this. I'm repeating this. Capital dome equals womb. Okay? It's the womb of Isis. Washington Monument, it's an obelisk. Osiris's erect organ. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, just like, you know, I feel like, I mean, like, this is like locker room talk almost. Yeah, it's like, I feel like a kid in school. Yeah. Erect organ. He said erect organ. No, but really, I mean, uh, and, you know, it's either you're going to laugh or cry. I mean, it's just, as the tale goes, in ancient Egypt, Osiris died and was cut up into 14 pieces. And Isis, the wife, was able to find all of her husband's body, except his male organ, okay? So she recreates it and magically is able to impregnate herself from the body of her dead husband. And another little god, little G, is born named Horus, considered to be the resurrected uh, Osiris. So Tom Horn, a friend of mine on, on this very matter, 
respect what he has to say concerning this. He said this, the legend formed the core of Egyptian cosmology and was fantastically venerated on the most imposing scale throughout all of Egypt by towering obelisks, including at Karnak, where the upright obelisks of Cyrus were vitalized or stimulated from the energy of the masturbatory sun god Ra shining down upon them. This is Christian television, people. Modern people, especially in America, may view these symbols as profane or pornographic. But they were, in fact, ritualized objects the ancients believed could produce tangible reactions, properties, or manifestations within the material world. The obelisk and dome, as imitations of the deity's male and female reproductive organs, could, through government representation, invoke into existence the being or beings symbolized by them. This is Washington, D.C. It's in Washington, D.C. It's ancient pagan religion from Egypt. It was the old pharaohs, actually. This is where it, can, it just gets deeper. It's just like, whoa, this is crazy stuff. Yeah. The old pharaohs uh, of, of Egypt, and I, and I want again once to thank, uh, there's a lot of different men that have done extensive amount of, of research. Uh, but Tom Horn seems to be the best at, at this type. And the guys at Skywatch TV just seem to be really good at, at just really getting to the bottom of these things. But the, the, the old pharaohs of Egypt, okay, they were, and I'm using these words strategically, they were inaugurated in the temple or womb of Isis. That's where their ceremony would take place, where like the new Pharaoh comes. While facing the mall, okay, while facing their massive courtyard, this is what would take place in Egypt. While this was taking place in Egypt, at the same time, inside of the temple of Isis, simultaneously, while they're being inaugurated, the magicians of Egypt would perform a ritual a reenactment and, and, and recite the original raising of Osiris, uh, the ceremony, while the Pharaoh was standing inside of the dome. Why? Why would they do that? So that the seed of Osiris would be drawn up from the underworld, from the testes of the obelisk, and magically enter into the womb of Isis. And at that moment, Pharaoh would be changed, right? That's what like the that's what they they thought. At that moment, the the Pharaoh, the, you know, the Pharaoh would enter as a man and leave as a god. It is by no accident, okay, what takes place every every time a president, every few years, when a president is inaugurated at the Capitol building. That is why every president is inaugurated on the womb of Isis, the Capitol building. And that is why at the inauguration of every U.S. president across town at the Herodome, the, the headquarters of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry, they are conducting a raising of Osiris ceremony. They publicly talk about this. Hmm. It's like, wow, this stuff, it's like, it's public. How do people not know this? It's like, 
and, and they're performing this, the raising of, of uh, Osiris ceremony in anticipation of the day that the spirit of Osiris will rise up out of the underworld to incarnate a U.S. president and to take his rightful place to lead us into a new golden age, a new pagan golden age, a new world order. Hmm. So, th and once thanks Tom Horn. I mean, I was been researching this and, and that information he just did such a good job, better than anybody else I had been looking at, just summing it all up. Yeah. And uh, that is, is that not shocking to you? It's incredibly shocking. Uh, it, it, the, the occult is everywhere. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, I want you to talk, take the next point. Okay. Because it just, it just keeps getting wild. I mean, it's just more and more wild. So, so in Revelation chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, it says this. To the angel of the church in Pergamon, write, These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. Know where you live. I know where you live. Where Satan has his throne. Time out. Are those red words, right? Yes. I know the answer. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Jesus is saying this. This is Jesus giving the revelation to John. And he's saying to the, to the church at Pergamon, I know where you live, where Satan has his throne. Whoa. Now, this is not just <laughs> metaphorical. This is not just the metaphorical throne of Satan. A, a lot of people have speculated and, and it may be true that you know this has something to do with end time events that you know maybe this has something to do with the antichrist or you know maybe, i don't maybe, i don't know maybe it is two or three fold oh. i don't know mm -hmm. um but what we do know is that there is an there was in pergamum at that time uh what what was called the altar of zeus before that, it was it was the altar of Jupiter. It was rededicated as the altar of Zeus, and it's actually the place in Revelation where it says that Antipas, the martyr, was killed. This is a place where they believe that his body was displayed. Was and you got to understand this that if you, whenever you think about whenever you think about Greek mythology, when you think about Zeus, Zeus is Satan. I mean, I, I mean, I, I hope everybody knows that, and so I don't I don't want to like talk about this, but Zeus, the Greek mythology, is rooted. In the fallen angels and and the offspring, and there's actually, the biblical accounts of the Raphaim, the Nephilim. That's where Greek yes. mythology comes from. And so Zeus literally is Lucifer. So whenever Jesus is literally talking to the Church of Pergamum, saying, "I know where Satan has his throne," the the, the throne of Zeus was there, massive, massive, massive structure. Over, I mean, gotta say this was thousands of years ago, over well over a hundred feet wide, hundred feet length, over fifty feet high. This massive altar. And he's literally, and, and it's, it's very kind of an ornate, you know, it's not just like a, it's not just a brick. And, and he's saying that is where, this is Satan's throne. Yeah, and, and, and actually speaking about Zeus being Satan, there is actually a, a sort of a lineage connecting Zeus to Baal and a lot of, a lot of simil, similar iconography. Baal was represented as a bull. A lot of times Zeus was represented as a bull. Um, uh, yeah, so so Zeus was the you know Greek counterpart to Baal, which was um, which was the god that was vying for the affections of the ancient Israel's uh, Israelites. So so we're gonna flash forward <laughs> to uh, to I, it was actually 1930. There was a museum that was constructed in Berlin in Germany because 
the this is wild. The altar of Zeus had been discovered, and what the throne is, of Satan. What is current day Turkey? Back then, it was Asia Minor, and specifically Pergamum. So this altar was discovered, and it was transported to this museum in Berlin, which is actually where it stands today. Okay, well, I didn't know that. So the physical, because I know where you're going, but so the physical throne of Satan was dismantled and brought to it, Germany? And brought to, and put back together. What the, okay. I, I didn't know that the physical throne of Satan was brought to Germany. That's wild. Yes. And to think what came right after yes. the most, one of the most sadistic time periods of, with Hitler and, Yes. Whoa. So, so, okay. and it's directly linked to that. Hitler, um, his, his, the architect of the Third Reich, his name was Albert Speer. And, and Hitler commissioned him. He said, I want a platform. I want a grandiose platform that I can speak to the rest of the world. And this will be the seat of my power. And, and it will be a representation of the greatness of Germany. And that's where I want to make all my speeches to the world. And, and it was located in, in Nuremberg. And he said, Albert Speer, make this for me. Make the throne of Saint for me. And, and he went to the museum um, in Berlin where the throne of Satan was and uh, he was so inspired by it that he decided he was going to model this this platform after the throne of Satan that was in Pergamon. Wow. That Jesus spoke about. So that's that's crazy enough. Um, and then there's also, I mean, to to me this is almost funny. I guess it's not funny. It's 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 kind of dark. But uh, in 2008, when when Obama was um, was uh, accepting his his nomination, uh, the Democratic nomination, he uh, did it in a football field, in a stadium, and the platform that he gave it from was actually modeled after the altar of Zeus in the museum in Berlin, the Pergamon Museum. Where so where he accepted the nomination? Yes. To run for president. The presidential nomination for the Democratic Party. He's on a party. stage that was modeled after the throne of Satan. Yes. The same stage that Hitler gave some of his most famous speeches on. Yes. The same altar that Jesus referred to in Revelation chapter 2 in Pergamum in Turkey to the throne of Satan, clearly referencing the massive throne of Zeus that was there. That's right. Once again, if you've watched, this has been a two-parter, last week and this week, because some of the most, the largest cultural movements being climate change, some of the, the biggest breakthroughs of technology and the companies behind it, like CERN, the, the advent of the World Wide Web, the largest machine ever created called the Large Hedron Collider, um, and their discovery of the God particle, okay, and everything, being rooted in the occult to the very architecture of the capital of the most powerful country in the world being dedicated unto satan to the most the the, the largest events you know like like you were saying like hitler you know and and it's just he brought up obama which would be which is odd because he doesn't fit the mold and i'm not saying this but Maybe, maybe that would mean that we haven't heard the end of Obama. Okay, I'm not. I mean, 
I'm just saying, maybe we haven't heard the end of Obama. That's all I'm saying. Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Same thing. Largest cultural movement right now. It is the single largest cultural movement in America. And we went into this in depth. Um, if you're watching this, if what we've been talking about is interesting, you should go and watch that episode because we dedicate time to it that we can't dedicate to it right now. But the the leaders of the Black Lives Matter movement, Opal Tmeni, uh Patrice uh, Colors, and um, Alicia Garza, they are all practitioners of an ancient African religion, a pagan religion called Odu Aifa. And actually, uh, I, I think it was actually Patrice Colors who, who said that Black Lives Matter is first and foremost a spiritual movement. And when they're, when they're having their protests oh, and everything. Whenever they're having their protests, I know, know what you're going to say. Mm -hmm. Because it's actually on video, watch the show, that some of the leading chapter leaders of Black Lives Matter have been on record on video saying what they do before the protests yeah. take place. What do the what do some of the Black Lives Matter chapter leaders do the day before or the night before or right before the protests take place in some places? Well, well, they have religious ceremonies that they do. Um, one of the things that they do they they call pouring out libations. So they'll take liquid and they'll pour it out as an offering to to their pagan gods. Um, another thing, the the you're going too quick. <laughs> they they pour. There's out. just there's so much to go through. It's just so so <laughs> crazy. Okay, keep going. It is crazy. Another thing, the the say their name slogan that they say, you'll see plastered all over social yeah, say media. Say their name. Say their name. And, yeah, and they'll yeah. have a list of names of people that they perceive to have uh, incurred you know injustices because of uh, police brutality, okay. and you know there's thirty some people on the list. It's not just a slogan. It's not just to raise support. It is actually part of a worship practice. They're reciting the names of their ancestors. In the religion of Odu Aifa, the, the ancestors and They're reciting power. the names of the dead. Yes, yes, of the dead that came before them. And when they recite their names, they actually, uh, like performing a seance, they, they uh, invite their spirits to sometimes even possess them. And the spirits of their ancestors give them power. That's what they believe. So when you see say their names plastered all over, they're actually inviting you to take place in their worship ceremony. It's the world we live in. I mean, I hope that this is waking you up to how this, this world is it is two kingdoms on this world. Yeah, you know, it is. It is two sides. You don't. You you can't belong to fifteen different parties. You're either a Christian, or you are God's enemy. There's not well. You're a Christian, or you could be an atheist, or a Muslim, or a Buddhist, or whatever. It is you are a Christian, with Jesus as your Lord and Master. That you believe the Word of God. You believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. You believe that He is the only atonement for our sins. He is the only one that can wash away our guilt before God the Father. He is the only one that we, you know, uh, confess our sins to as, as far as 
well, I mean, you can confess your sins to your, you know, you know, you, you can tell a mentor where you've strayed and have him lay hands on you and pray for you. But as far as like you repent to God the Father, you turn from your ways because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because there's a whole nother sect of Christianity. Yeah. That is called progressive Christianity. And progressive Christianity is not Christianity. And progressive Christians, I'm not saying that there are maybe a couple a, a couple of Christians that are just really deceived right. and know God, but they're in this progressive Christian. I understand that some of them are going to heaven, but a lot of those who are progressive Christians are not going to heaven. They're not going to heaven because progressive Christianity is not Christianity. Whenever you do not believe that Jesus Christ has to be the son of God. Yeah. That is not Christianity. You can call it Christian, but it's not. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the only way to heaven. That's right. There's not multiple. He is the mediator between God and man. If you do not believe that Jesus is the one that you go to for the forgiveness of your sins, that you can be atoned before God, you are not a Christian. You can call yourself a progressive Christian, but you're not. That's right. We, I've seen pictures of, of, of progressive churches listing things like the word of God is not inerrant, is not infallible. Oh, they won't even call it the word of God. They'll say the Bible is not the word of God. Yes. And we've discussed this because we've yeah. actually debated even doing a show on some of the uh, some of the churches that we've went to their Facebook pages, see what they post, and and one of them literally said that yeah, that very thing. That was that was the first. The thing Bible on, is not the word of God. That was the first thing on the list. Is the Bible is the Bible isn't the first thing it said. The Bible is not the word of God. You can literally listen. You can stop if you're talking to me. If you say I'm a Christian, and the first thing out of your mouth is the Bible isn't the word of God. You can stop. You can literally stop right there. I already know all I need to know. You are not a Christian. And progressive Christianities, progressive Christians are a part of the occult. Yes. Okay. Progressive Christians are a part of the occult because what it means to be progressive today is Marxist, is Marxism. Marxism is of the occult. Read where Karl Marx was influenced and everything. From the very first story that we read on last week's show of the chanting to the Aztec gods, uh, the gods that, that demanded sacrifices of, of children on their altars. What does it say? The author of it, Marxist. Okay? I'm going to show you one video. This is a video of a Satanist on TikTok thanking Christians, progressive Christians, Watch this for a second. Let this let this sh open up your eyes a bit. There is a wave of Christian people that I have met on this app and I have found favor among them. Progressive Christians are what the world needs right now. We both agree that religion needs massive amounts of change. Between your flawed Bibles, asinine ideals, and just outright misinformation, we've had enough. So in a Lucifer gang first, I'm here to thank you Christians, progressive Christians, for your assistance in this fight against misinformation. If you believe in God, I support you. However, believe half of what you see and believe nothing that you hear. Listen, we're, 
totally out of time for today. Uh, once again, if you want to get behind us, please do. We would like to grow, grow, grow. We would like to get these messages out to a greater audience. We would like to bring more people onto the team and to do a greater work. You know, we're, this is like a Paul Revere ministry riding on that horse saying, Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. And that horse is that we can bring our message to the world is television, is media. Stand with us, go to the website and get involved. We'll see you next week.